Good morning. Please stand. Our scripture this morning is Luke 12, 16 through 21. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe seated. Welcome. Whoa, man, that went silent. All right, maybe we should come in again or leave. I'm not sure which. You know, our exposure to Scripture pales to the amount of ads you see in a single day. You probably know that already, right? I mean, just open your web browser uh, for a simple search, and you could find yourself needing hip waders uh, to wade through the river of ads vying for you to click and catch you. I'm told between 6,000 and 10,000 a day, if you are on some type of uh, web browser or your phone. Uh, My question is, how do we fend off these pesky invaders attempting to get our attention? I mean, how do we do this? We were recently with family discussing the onslaught onslaught of these ad invaders, so we thought we'd test something that we've heard would happen. So somebody just spoke something that they were interested in near their phone. Can you believe what happened? They opened their phone and what did they find? All of these pesky ads coming at their phone. Kind of creepy, eh? It's, it's one thing to go to the lumber company website of your choice to find what you're looking for, right? And then to go to some other page and find the same ads is popping up all over the place. See, the question is, is who's forming us and who's controlling us? Who, who's dictating our lives around this? A few months ago, Kathy and I decided to stream a platform, and I paid a bit to get the extra, uh, to paid a bit to get the ads blocked out and all of that stuff blocked out to watch the tour. Uh, no ads interrupted. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I would almost advocate for doing something like that line because I didn't miss an ad at all. So today, in our pre-decide message series, we're going to talk about planning to give. Planning to give, it's one in the series. Uh, maybe another title would be practice giving would be more apropos. You know, in our culture... Uh, due to the ads and our, the cultural move of everything, we're being barraged on a regular basis. And so our culture screams this to us. It's better to get than to give. It's better to get than to give. Uh, I mean, yet this is not what Jesus stated. Paul said that Jesus stated 
It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed or blessed, it means happy. Uh, it means or happier. It, it runs kind of underneath everything that's happening. And when you're generous, guess what? You get to tap into that, that lower level aquifer of joy. Uh, the joy that God wants to give to you. You can be joyful and blessed when you do. What, do you, what, what I know about so many of you is this is probably true. You would love to give more than you do. You would love to give more than you do. I mean, you see a need and you hear of a need and you wish to give, yet um, you're stymied because of life, because of the way the culture has conformed you into its likeness. Yet I believe Jesus wants us to become irrationally generous, irrationally generous, so there's only one way this is going to happen. Uh, we've had prayer interspersed, but we're going to pray again that the Lord moves on our hearts, that we move toward becoming irrationally generous. So let's pray. Father, we ask today that by the power of your word, you would inspire us to be more blessed as we give irrationally, honoring you and making a difference for your kingdom in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the whole idea is pre-deciding. It's, it's pre-deciding in life. Uh, choosing ahead of time is what we've been talking about for the last, well, several weeks. And it's only by the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do this, to, to, be, to pre-decide. And today, really, this idea of being generous. We pre-decide to be generous. And why would we ever want to do this? Well, we look around and we see the needs around us. And what I've come to figure out and what has been exampled to me in my life is that nobody ever accidentally becomes irrationally generous. It doesn't happen accidentally, as with a lot of things in life. Nobody, nobody stumbles into giving. And nobody ever does that. I mean, think about tithing and Tithing and giving. I mean, just what we affirmed with our responsive prayer reading, if you will. You know, the idea of, of giving, you know, the, the idea of being able to see somebody needing a little help on their rent and being able to say, hey, here, here's a couple extra bucks. I know it's more than a couple. Or buying something for someone who can't afford it. Something that they, you know that they not only need, but they may even want. I mean, the idea of even funding missions or around the world or missionaries around the world. I mean, where does it start? I would counter the, or would say counter to the culture that it might even start with this whole idea of giving a 10%. And I understand for those of you who are plugged into the New Testament, you're like, well, that's not the goal. I would agree 100%. See, 10%, 100%, got it? We're going. Stay with the math. You're good. I can't, but you will. What would happen if God was really into something? He understood something about us, that if we started where he began and go where he wants us to be, we could become this irrationally generous people who, well, not accidentally, uh, not just stumbles into it, but plans for could be cool. 
We tend to think, though, that if we want to be more generous, uh, we think that we can't be. Uh, And I think this is befalling all of us. I mean, I I get it. The interest rates, the mortgage rates, all of these things are just outrageous, right? Yet I think that God has some divine plan that meets our practicality every single day. That it is not about, uh, it's not only about wanting, but that there is a way to get to that generous place of giving. Because generosity is not about what you have or don't have, ever. It never is. Uh, generosity is a matter of the heart. It's a posture of our, of our heart toward what breaks God's heart, what the kingdom is about and what he desires to do. You know this, right? Because you and I have seen poor people who are stingy, and we've seen poor people that are irrationally generous. We have seen rich people who are irrationally generous, but at the same turn, we have heard or have seen rich people who you couldn't squeeze anything out of them. It's a matter of the heart and whose it is. One of the thoughts that even came into my devotions this morning was about this idea of, of consecrating. You know, that, that my life isn't mine. And it's the Lord's to do with it as he wishes. So we see both, we see generous people, both rich and poor, change the world with, with full-blown, strategic, passionate giving. And that's where we're heading. We're, we're going to practice being generous, not someday in the future, but right now, right in this place, in this space. I think Kathy's already kind of challenged us in a way uh, especially when we were in a prayer circle before, that we would think, she prayed this, that we would think not of where we're going to be next after this hour or however long you stay, but we would just give ourselves to the moment. We'd allow ourselves to be generous, if you will. If we're generous now, if we're, if we're not generous now, you will not be generous later. In fact, the parable speaks of it. And in fact, the, the parable that Jason just read. It was a rich man in chapter 12 of Luke, who had a huge harvest. Rich actually got richer. And you know what? That tends to be the case. I get it. I see that. But the challenge that the Lord puts on us is, what are we going to do with all all we have? What are we going to do with what we have? Right? Uh, He didn't say, when I have more, I'll give more. And now I have more, and I'm going to be incredibly generous. He actually acted in the same way he acted before he had the great harvest. He acted in the same stingy way, the same selfish way. He didn't say, I'm going to fund the church with their their latest project to meet more people. I'm not going to help single moms. I'm not going to be a blessing to the people around me in my neighborhood who I see are struggling. Um, I'm not going to fund a ministry. He didn't say that. I mean, it says it, right? He said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I'll have room enough to store all my weed and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, isn't this a great conversation to have with yourself? My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Sit back. Have that favorite drink and be merry. Why did he do what he always had done? The reason is because the more money you make doesn't make you more generous. 
It's as simple as that. More money you make makes you more of who you already are. More money doesn't change who you are, it reveals who you are. And that's why I think this is the big thought for the day. If you want to be more generous when you have more, be generous when you have less. If you want to be generous when you have more, be generous when you have less. That's part of the pre-deciding. I want you to help, help you to do what you want to do. I believe that you want to do this. I know that as God's people, we want to become more generous. We just don't feel like we can. And I want to share with you just a couple of principles that I I think is true for all generous people. And we're going to decide ahead of time, pre-decide. This is who we're going to be. In fact, can I just tell you, that's really the small secret of just living the kingdom life. It's saying, yep, God, you're right. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. You're right about how to live, and so I'm going to choose to live that way. I'm not going to wrestle with it. I'm going to allow myself to flow into the kingdom and into the flow of the Spirit and do this. It's our identity. It's who we are. So a couple of qualities of generous people. Generous people plan to be generous. They just plan for it. Some of you are thinking, but, but I thought generosity was like this random blessings. Like, you know, you, you pull up in a line and you realize that somebody's paid your, for your meal in the fast food, you know, restaurant and you go ahead and pay the person behind you. Well, okay, that may happen from time to time. But I bet that the majority of people who are generous plan to it, plan to do it. They either have a pot of money that they're like, this, this is what happens When I see this situation, I'm going to give to those that I see, that the Lord prompts me to, that I see that are needed. Uh, It may happen spontaneously, but more often for those who are just outrageously generous, they plan for it. They plan for it. Uh, This is how many many people give most of the time. You see a need, and you meet a need. You see a need, you hear a sad story, you do something about the sad story, you see pictures of dogs... (laughs) in a cage along, some, along with some Sarah McLaughlin music. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and you, f- you know, free the dog, set him free, and you know, the guilt lays on, and you're like, oh, I've got to set him free. <clears throat> you're talking to a farm kid, so don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> I know what to do with those. Uh, anyway, so believe that. That's not giving, though. I mean, that's giving, but that's not Generosity. Uh, there's a difference. Uh, that's giving. And I want to be clear. Giving is great. It moves us to the road of being a generous people, a kingdom-minded people who follow after Jesus. Giving honors God. But giving is not the same as generosity. Giving is not the same. Here's the difference. Generous people, they don't need to be guilted to give. They just do it. You ask them, you go, hey, I've got this need, and they're like, yeah, I see it, you know, or they see the need. They, they plan for it, and whenever they're prompted by the Spirit, they give toward it. Isaiah 32.8 says this, the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. There are different versions that read different ways, but this is, the idea is that when they commit to something, they commit to it wholeheartedly, uh, whether it's generosity or of giving their life, living for Jesus, they stand in it. 
if you go ahead of that verse, it, will, it does talk about the evil who are continually consuming on their own. We, we, we don't make excuses as to what you cannot do now because giving is not what I do. Generous is who you are. It's, a, it's an identity. It's who God is, too. We pre-decide to stand firm in that idea and that concept, that identity of generosity. Now, what's funny about a plan when it comes to finances is most people have a plan, even if you don't have a plan, right? The truth is most people have a plan to consume. If there's something we want, we get real strategic, don't we? I mean, it's amazing. Like, we don't have any money for this, but if we find something we want, it's amazing how quickly we can, we can add up the dimes and dollars and the thousands and be able to get what we want over against maybe the thing that's needed. It is amazing. And I speak from personal experience. There are a lot of hobbies and trappings that I like that I'm amazed how quickly I can find the money to take care of those. It is embarrassing, actually. But generous people don't plan to consume. Generous people plan to give. In fact, when you become generous by nature, what you're doing is you're strategically and you're prayerfully designing your life around a God-given mind and heart, his generosity. Some, something you do as a reaction is it's a strategy. It's a mindset. Prayerfully asking God, how can I make a bigger difference in the world today? I was listening just this morning to uh, John Tyson talking about prayer. Simply prayer. And all of this idea of generosity falls into every category of characterization of, of Christian life. Not just giving. He was talking about prayer. And oftentimes we find ourselves thinking diminished thoughts about prayer. Like we pray for, if I could just have three people, Lord. If I could just get three people to gather around and pray. And I found myself there like, just come on, Lord, just bring us a few people. Instead of opening and allowing the floodgates of heaven to open up and praying for what God's mind and heart is for whatever it is. Same falls in the idea of generosity. What is God's mind and heart about what he may want to do through you? How does he want to change the world through you? Yet, you know, you might be saying, I, I'm not a financial planner. It's just not one of those things, you know? You should know my family background. I, I don't have a budget. A, a budgeting type of mindset. Now, and what I want to tell you is, is that you can. You, you have a plan. It, it may not be written, but it's a plan. And what many people's plan is today is that God will give something, you know, God will give something, we get paid, and we get the increase. And our first move is that what most people do today is that we tend to spend more money than we make. Can I just, am I meddling? I know, a little old-fashioned stuff, right? Am I meddling? We tend to do that. We plan, that is the plan in the world today, is we tend to get, uh, get money, get paid, and then we spend more than we have. We lack the margin, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, lack margin around our lives, that we get, and then we get geeked out and worried about money. You like to give, but you can't give because worry has taken over. 
And, in, and it's taken over in this area. You're spending more than you make, and it has compromised the ability of the kingdom to flow through you. It's compromised the kingdom flowing through you. This is a com- common financial plan that is just over and over again. We'd like to give more. We'd love to give more. We see the need, but we can't because we don't have what, we, what the Lord is asking of us. We need to understand that this is not just a money problem. As I said before, it's a spiritual problem. We're putting our trust in things rather than putting our faith in God. And what generous people do is they break that cycle. They break that cycle, not accidentally, but strategically. They break the cycle by choosing to put God first. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then what? Then everything else will be added unto you. And I do believe that he means everything else. Not seek the shoes, the house, the countertops, the car first, but seek the kingdom and his righteousness and put him first, put the kingdom first, and then everything else will be added unto you when we seek him first. Already this morning, just in small conversations I've had, I've heard the smattering of God showing up. Like we... As a, as a community, we prayed for different situations, and they'll tell me the story. I'm like, oh, that's not what we thought, is it? But the Lord's showing up. It's amazing, and there's generosity in, that, in those storylines because we're giving them. We're seeking the kingdom on behalf of the situations. In fact, there's a principle in Scripture that's very powerful and potentially life-changing. Uh, Malachi 3.10 some of you are very, very familiar, and some of you will feel like it's, I'm, I'm taking a, a ball bat to you. I am not. This is, this is just a powerful passage of Scripture. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, that there may be food in my house. So I mentioned it already before, the tithe. What is it? What is a tithe? Ten percent. Ten percent of what you make is what they're talking about. You give it back to God as an act of worship that there may be food in my house. Now, I will admit, and we could have a greater conversation that some things have changed in terms of uh, agricultural, industrial-based type of environments and how our church is laid out from when they were laid out, but the principle still stands. Maybe this is your confession around this. First time you heard this, you know, somebody said, hey, you, you need to give a tithe. I remember uh, being discipled, being told, hey, you need to start this, exactly what I'm telling you now, start this when you don't have much, so when you do have much, you'll continue to give what the Lord has given. And I remember, really? 10%? Oh my, that's a lot. There's no way. And some of you may be feeling that pressure in this moment. It, it means this, as I understood in the moments that I was being disciples, that means I have to rearrange my life around the priorities of what God says. I have to make some real changes to put God first, and I would have to strategically look at my life and arrange it around what, oh, he wants, what he desires. It's almost as if God could foresee our conversation that we're having right now because he goes on in Malachi 3.10. He says what? Test me in this. Test me in this. There's 
No other place in Scripture, I think, that, that we're fine that, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, put me first. See what I do. If you put me first, see, I, I, see if I won't provide for you. Just, just put me to the test. Let's see if this happens. And some of you might be going, whoa, wait a second. I thought we were in a free Methodist church. Didn't realize that we moved into a prosperity church. I'm just preaching what the word says. It's a generosity gospel, I think, more. But call it what you want. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is what scripture is saying. Everybody gets, gets rich when you tithe. All right, no audible gasp. All right, just wanted to make sure. I'm like, really? All right, it's good. God proves himself faithful. God is the ultimate giver. The generosity principle for God is this. So, so for God so loved the world that he, and I know, you just saw in a football game, right? John 3, 16. But it's not just there. What happens in Genesis chapter 3? I know it may be a little hidden, but God gave there. And he continues to give over and over and over again. And then he gave his son. When you start with giving, you recognize that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it changes the cycle. It changes the cycle. It changes your priority and your trajectory. When you pre-decide to put God first, Above everything. The normal cycle looks like this. God blesses you, you spend more than you make, you lack margin, you get freaked out, and you worry, worry, worry. I know, I've repeated it. There's a point. Because some of you are there, you're like, I wish you would stop preaching on this. I want to, I think the word is there to help us out. On the other hand, when you seek God first, God supplies. And what do you do? You put him first. You honor him, and you give to him. You pre-decide to give him first, give to him first. I hesitate um, to share what I think the Spirit's asking me to to share. Um, But it is part of our storyline. So as many of you know uh, about uh, a little over two and a half years ago, was that right? Two years ago, Kathy uh, felt a shift in her spirit uh, directed by the Lord to, uh, to pursue a doctorate and, um, and, and some other shifts that are moving her more into uh, pastoral ministry. And we're grateful for that. Yet... Um, <clears throat> When she said she wanted to get a doctorate, some of these principles that I'm preaching or teaching you right now or walking through with you are some of the times we lived in. Um, We have always committed to paying everything uh, up front in a timely manner. We don't have, we don't have debt. I know that's strange, but something we've committed to. So Kathy, uh, being a little more uh, on the generous side in this area. See, we have a balance in our, our household. You know, we're going to take care of this, and 
and he has. Um, Said to surrender it. And he's met it. And as a church family, you know, we encourage you just about a month and a half ago to, um, to commit uh, to some, some pro- property and building things. And, and we had to walk through that conversation because that, I mean, I believe the leadership leads. Cat, what's this look like? In light of the fact that, okay, we didn't, I wasn't expecting a doctorate, you know, um, which is fine. But then in light of this, what are we going to do? Can I just tell you the Lord's met us in our commitment? Now, that's our story. But I share that because I truly believe that the Lord leads. He, he commands or he invites you into his storyline. And the story is still being written for all of us and for Kathy and I. Yet, when you seek God first, he supplies what you need. We give God our first and best, trusting him to bless the rest. We give it to him. That's what we do. We predecide to put him first. And I still believe it starts with a tithe. It starts with a decision. And you grow from there. Now, I have friends who have predecided to put a certain amount of money uh, away or aside every month. They first give the tithe, and then they give, uh, then there's a specific thing that they just, a pot of money that they say, look, I'm, I'm just going to give this away. I, I know somebody, uh, somebody else's, not just one, who every year they increase their percentage from 10%, and they've been doing this for years, 10% to 11% to 12% to 13%. And I also know others who have predecided if they were to get a tax return that the certain amount of their tax return goes right into missions. They have predecided where they're going to give. Friends, this doesn't happen by accident. Generous people decide, they predecide, and they plan to do what is generous. As we seek God, He will supply. Another principle. Generous people round up, and I'm not talking about when you go to the pay your bill at the restaurant and they go, hey, do you want to give a buck? I'm not talking about that. A few years ago, there was a community, I mean, that could happen too, but there was a community uh, group of people who were gathered and considered how they could be even more generous. We were in, a, in a, uh, a series on giving and generosity. So they decided amongst the group, this, now this takes conversation and intimacy with one another, that based on their budgeting, they would round up. So how does this work? Every time they got a deal on something they budgeted for, they would then round up the, what was actual and what they were ex- expecting to pay, and they gave that away. They just gave it away. In this case, they actually had a pot. They literally had a can, coffee can, that they would bring, and sometimes it was just a few bucks. Sometimes it was hundreds of bucks because they prayed they said lord we're going to consecrate what you have given to us and we are looking for the deal and we want to give into the community they rounded up 
it was wonderful. It was a beautiful hearing the stories of the joy, uh, the joy of giving and where they gave their funds to. Many of those people, not all of them, now have passed on. They understood the principle of seeking God first and allowing him to supply their needs. Generous people round up. Solomon says this, or Solomon said in Proverbs, all day long he craves for more. Uh, but the righteous, he is the, the cultured person, craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. You see it over and over in Scripture. Uh, the Good Samaritan, uh, it was a grand story of not only reaching outside to, uh, you know, the, the story of Jesus telling to reach outside of his own people, but in 1035, it says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him to take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, what did he say? I'll come, when I come by the next time, I'll pay it. I'll take care of it. Zacchaeus. When salvation comes into a home, there tends to be a house into a heart. There tends to be a rounding up of what that looks like. He's crooked, and he's straightened out by Jesus. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I mean, uh, two and a half times would have been great, right? Four times. So Jesus taught this pr- pr- principle. If someone give, demands a shirt, you give them, really, uh, give, them, give them a shirt and a cool jacket, right? Go one more mile. Round up. Go two. So the next time you're com- contemplating, should I give a lower amount or higher amount on the tip? Uh, just bless them and round it up. You're going to make a meal for somebody? Don't just make a meal. Make an appetizer and a dessert. Round up. I mean, do you see? It's not just about our, our money. If you're going to give somebody in your community group a gift card to go on a date because y'all know what's been happening going on, take care of their kids. In fact, house them overnight. See, generosity has the ability to spill out in so many different ways. And it's not just when you have more. A few years ago, I was, I was privileged to go to Haiti, and I was able to do some pastoral training, hospital visitation, which is vastly different than here, Woo. and some building in an eye and dental clinic. We stayed in some mission housing, and they, every time a group comes in, they hire people from the community, um, generally probably Christians, to come in and make the meal. And... And we were, we were instructed while we were there, you know, the ladies made the meal for us, and they stood off, and they watched us eat, which is really uncomfortable, by the way. It's just really uncomfortable. But in that process uh, of making the meal for us, uh, we were told that if we don't leave food for them, right, they want us to eat it all. They want us to, to feel like we're, you know, special. But if we don't leave food, they don't eat, neither do their family. Now, this is kind of a a weird rounding up, but they rounded up to us when we should be rounding up to them. Now, we always left food, and it's the first time I've ever had goat. So it's kind of a cool thing, and it tasted pretty good. So their generosity rounded up for us, but in the process, they were willing to go without. What about us? What about us? Simply 
What's our next step? Simplicity of living. Simplicity of living. Do we think about it much? I mean, you know, there's the, the cultural cool thing, right, of, of having just a certain amount of shirts and, you know, so many things, and I forget what it's all called. Minimalism. Thanks, Kat. Minimalism. I don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a couple of our kids have gotten into it and gotten out of it and all that kind of jazz. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's cool. Um, but simplicity. What do you need? Have, have you ever contemplated, like, all right, uh, I think in my house, I may even have, like, four winter jackets. Now, some of you are from colder climates. Go, that's just about enough. Or warmer climates, that's just about enough. But, you know, I'm like, how many really do I need to wear? Uh, how, how much or how often do I need to go out to eat? How, what does my house need to look like? I mean... I think, I think contemplating and considering um, what simplicity may mean in this day and age and what it may speak and allow us to do is huge. So I don't have a directive. I have really a question. What does simplicity of living look like for you? And I do believe it looks differently for different people. I really do. And so... You know, you have to feel called into what the Lord has called you to. But this is what I do believe, and this is what our, our, our forerunners to even free Methodism, in, in free Methodism, our patriarchs in free Methodism did believe that sim- simplicity of living allows forgiving. It's, it really does. When you consider, you know, what the Lord has given and granted and what we desire and consume over the top. That's really a great conversation for y'all to have in your community groups. Like, what does that look like? What, what does that mean for you? What does simplicity of living allow for you? What would it allow for you to do? So here's a practice that may work for you, may work for me even, the practice of get and give. The practice of get and give. What would be our next steps in this? One is to prayerfully put yourself before the Lord and ask him, and then prayerfully put yourself in front of your friends who know you the best and ask the questions, hmm, what am I indulging myself into? But here's in one, is oftentimes, as I just explained, I, have, I think I may have four winter jackets in, in my collection, in my closets, closets, plural. Um, when, when you get something, could it very well be that it's, it's an opportunity to give something of the same, right? What is it that you get a shirt? Give a shirt. I mean, really simple. Uh, uh, for me, uh, one of my one of my things that Kathy and I talk about, I'm like, I, I see a bike. I'd love to just, I'd love to ride that bike. And she's like, you already have two. How many more can you ride at the same time? The Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so the question becomes, what, when you get something, what can you give? 
See, I think there's some real practicality to this idea of generosity. That it is a matter of the heart. Because when, when we go, oh, I, I need this and I need to keep all five of the others. And I've just gone to meddling, I know. But I think, asking the question, what does simplicity look like? And how would it allow us to live into the kingdom in a greater way? Let's pray. The Heavenly Father wants us to be generous people. He doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to live into the moment we're in in order to be generous as who we are. Father, we pray today that we would be a people known for our irrational generosity. That what we know Scripture says we would live out, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So this morning, with all eyes uh, closed and are down, how many of you heard of a maybe a situation this week that you wished you could have given to or you knew that the Lord is prompting you? Anybody have that? That you, you just couldn't? All right, thank you. Yeah. Lord, you want us... You want us to live your word out. So I ask, Lord Jesus, that your word would pierce our heart. That as, as a people following a generous God, that we would become a people of generosity that do what generous people in the kingdom do. That the righteous people you call us to be and to act out would give and would not hold back. God, that you would prayerfully and help us to be strategically designing our lives around us, just this wonderful, wonderful kingdom aspect of generosity. But for many of us, that starts in, the, in this place by putting you first, trusting you first, but not stopping there. So Lord, for those this morning that are struggling with trusting you, Father, in this, in this moment, I pray that your spirit would, would make them aware of where you have shown them you have shown up this week. That you show them where you showed up and how you cared for them in ways that they thought it was just all about them. Or maybe they just thought it was part of the consequences or circumstances they were in. And Father, as you do that, Lord, we pray that you'll lead us to be uh, kingdom changers in this world, to make a difference, to advance the kingdom, and to find the joy that is truly unspeakable, that it is way more blessed to give than it is to receive. So make us generous. Help us. As we alluded to, I mentioned, God is the most generous God ever. I mean, he's the only God. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, 
the sinless, perfect Son of God who died in our place on a cross so our sins could be forgiven. Scripture says that the way we're made right with God is not by good works. It's actually, it's actually this. It's a gift, a generous gift of God. This morning, maybe you have, you have yet to say yes and start to follow Jesus. But you didn't realize that God was so generous. And you know that life's not heading in the direction you want. You've messed up. And you need to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The one who hears your prayers forgives your sins, makes you brand new, which is a generous gift from God. If you want his forgiveness, if you want this new life, if you want to step away from the the life you're living, really you're just existing sin pray this prayer pray this prayer that's on the screen sincerely from your heart Heavenly Father thank you for your mercy grace and love found in and through Jesus save me and forgive me from my sins I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you in Jesus name Father we're all grateful this morning for that generous gift of your son, Jesus, that allows us to live in and with you. Without it, we'd be lost and wandering, but we're found and free. For that, we give you praise this morning because, God, you are so good. 